0: Fun Ideas Productions presents the Fun Ideas Podcast. We see the syphilitic shrinking obelisk, the white man's wilting dick. Game show trolls. The smiling lie of the terror. Hi, this is Mark Arnold, and welcome to Fun Ideas Podcast number 48. This episode is sponsored by the fine folks at Lee's Comics. Headquartered, the book on the monkey's solo career has been turned in and should be out in February or March of 2020. Same with the Warren Kramer book. Crossing my fingers. I'm still working on my own Light Up Your Life travel agency, and the TTV Underdog Scrapbook, and the Mad Book. Plus, I just turned in an article about Dick Tracy's 90th anniversary for Hogan's Alley Magazine, and an article about Harvey Comics giveaways for Craig Yeo's upcoming book about comic book giveaways. And I'm still working on an article about Harvey Mystery Comics of the 1970s for Back Issue Magazine. Our guest today is a webcomics writer and artist best known as the creator of Narbonic. She has been an editor for Viz Media, working on over 20 manga series, including Naruto. Here she is, Shannon Garrity. Okay, on the phone today I have Shannon Garrity and wanted to talk to you a little bit about your career and uh, how you got interested in cartooning and writing and editing and all the things you do. So, uh, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much Hello
0: Hi Okay So yeah The first question is Tell us a little bit About yourself And you know How you got into uh, All the things That you do (laughs) Wow Okay Well
1: I'm I've kind of been involved In a huge number Of different areas Of comics And I guess I Started out Being interested in uh, Drawing my own comics Back in high school Or so I drew comics For like the chit section of the newspaper and then when I went to college I drew for the college paper and as I was graduating from college uh web comics were just starting to kind of become a thing so I looked at that and said I could probably do that and then I started doing comics online and it just kept going from there um out of college I started work at Viz Media uh, the manga publisher
2: mm-hmm. and
1: I am still a freelance editor for them I've edited a huge number of different manga titles for them over the years I do web comics still and I have a graphic novel coming out next year um I've written comics for Marvel and for other publishers So I've kind of been All over the place in terms of uh, What I do in comics I just love comics as a medium And as an art form And I've worked all over the the comics world.
0: Very good. Yeah, let me uh, let me uh, like dwell on a few of these here. So, mm-hmm. um, one of the things I see here is you're the creator of Narbonic, and for those,
2: yes, I am. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's a webcomic about a mad scientist named Helen Narbonne is mm-hmm. that correct? Uh, yeah, Helen uh,
2: Narbon. Yeah, and, She's a uh, med scientist.
0: Um, it and, looks like you produced it from 2000 to 2007. Uh, tell us the origins of that and how you uh, how that uh, became successful. <laughs> yeah, Narbonic was my first web comic. I started that
1: right after college. Um, I was I moved out to the Bay Area right after college, and I was doing this on my computer, um, like sort of after work, and It's very Tactic house I was living in With about 300 people um, But um, So yeah it's a comic strip About uh, the staff At a mad science laboratory Helen Narbonne is the mad scientist And she has a tech guy And an intern And a um, Hyper intelligent gerbil that she's created And they have adventures And yeah that ran that ran For six years
0: Mm-hmm. Were there any I, uh, publications that came out of that, or is it? Oh yeah I, made, yeah. yeah, I made yeah, I made yeah, did books of
1: all of them. Initially, I'm a small publisher called Blue Shift Studios did the print books, and now I have like a giant omnibus edition that I that I put out on ah. Kickstarter.
0: <laughs> and uh, things like that. Uh, when you stop doing it, are you just stopping it for a time, or is it is that just in your past? You're done. <laughs> Narbonic had a
1: definite beginning, middle, and end, and my okay. current strip, Skin Horse, does
0: as well. Okay. So
1: that ran, that had a story arc, and when that story arc ended, um, I was done with Narbonic. Although I've done little side stories and like short comics of the Narbonic characters since then. Um, I belong to a cartooning group called the Couscous Collective, and we were mm-hmm. putting out anthologies. About twice a year for a long time, and I'd always do either a Narbonic story or a Skin Horse story for that. So I have, I now have a little book that's all collections of the
2: short comics that I did. <laughs> and so I, I mean, I go back to it from time to time. It's, it's a, it's a good comic with
1: a good concept and characters, and, um, you know, but the actual story is done. You can read it all online.
0: Mm-hmm. And, um, Considering its topic, I didn't ask. uh, What did you study in college? Was it anything related Uh, to this, or is it completely just art (laughs) or something? Well, my my, no, I actually
1: did not study art at all, which you can probably tell if you look at my early artwork. my degree is in English, but I am a like a failed biology major, so uh-huh. I was very interested in science and biology in particular. I could not get past cellular bio, so I had to switch majors uh-huh. but uh, yeah so i yeah I do have a real a strong interest in science and a strong interest in biology specifically um yeah. Helen in the Strip is primarily a geneticist. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my major's in uh, English. I'm primarily a writer.
0: Oh, I got it. Okay. And when you plot out this, you mentioned this in Skin Horse, you know, that you have an ending for it. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you have that all plotted out now, or do you just have, like, a basic generic ending in mind that you have kind of, I'll get to that someday, or something like mm-hmm. that, or is it already plotted to the end?
1: With... Narbonic, I think by about halfway through the strip, I knew where it would end. I went through a lot of changes over that time. With Skin Horse, I'm working with, uh, I have a co-writer, mm-hmm. uh, Jeff Wells, who develops a lot of the story larks and a lot of the general direction and we have an idea where we want to go and we've had that idea from the beginning we had a lot of conversations about what the concept of the strip was and uh where we wanted things to go and i mean that changes that changes a lot over time definitely yeah. there there are details that change with Skin Horse, it was always we're actually getting into what might be the final act at this point <laughs> it's going to go on for a while because it's mm-hmm. Kind of a leverage. It's a long Skin Horse is longer Than Narbonic Skin Horse takes place In the same universe As Narbonic Mm -hmm. And uh, Narbonic is about Mad scientists And then Skin Horse Is about people Who have to clean up After the mad scientists Mm. It's about this Uh Secret government organization that assists non-human sapiens who are mostly the creations of various mad scientists. There's you know <laughs> zombies and beastmen and robots and all these characters. They have to, um, but, but they're a social service organization. It's it's like the X Files if they were trying to help the monsters instead of what the X Files would do if they ever actually caught a monster, which I don't <laughs> think even they know what they would do. So, but it kind of builds up to a big sort of war going on and if we're kinda moving into that now Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of characters and places, a lot of stuff happening. I really actually I'm not sure one hundred percent exactly how it'll turn out, but we've always had the general uh, thrust of the story in mind from the beginning.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, with all these, is uh, since you've been in web comics at least twenty years now, is uh, yeah. how has that changed over the years? I mean, it seems like in the early days you just put something up and hope hope something would hit, but it seems like it's a little more structured now. So how has it changed over the years?
1: It's actually kind of less structured because oh. when I started out, well, when I started out there were
0: so few webcomics it was Got
1: possible it. to like have a pretty good idea of what the webcomics world was. There were, you know, websites you could go to that were hubs for webcomics that you could link from there to almost all the comics that were online. And then it really exploded out and uh, people started to really Push the envelope in terms of what you could do with comics online and what kinds of comics you could do, and it became a huge field. And now it's, for one thing, it's really impossible to follow absolutely everything happening in web comics. It's really huge. Um, for another thing, it's really not entirely on websites anymore, so I don't know if you call it webcomics. A lot of it's right. moved to social media and <laughs> other platforms. No, really, it's really... it. I mean, I feel it like... Happens, I yeah. kind of feel, I feel like a dinosaur just doing things on websites. <laughs> I had my strip syndicated on Facebook for a while, but they don't really... Allow that anymore. Oh, so they don't have like an automatic syndication thing anymore. So now well, you have to just go to my website or to Go Comics, uh, which it's syndicated on, and which I highly recommend. Mm-hmm. And also, I think like there's increasingly less division between web comics and print comics. I mean a lot of print most print comics a lot of print comics are online. All the newspaper comic strips are online and a lot of web mm-hmm. comics wind up in books. There's just not as clear a distinction between right. web comics and other comics at this point. It's it's just gotten to be another type of comics. Mm-hmm. Which is great.
0: Yeah. Well definitely, especially if you're looking for uh, older material. I know. I just did an interview with uh, Joe Staten about Dick Tracy, and he says, "Yeah, they're uh-huh. uploading all the old Dick Tracy uh, episodes, so it makes it good for them because they're trying to incorporate some of those old cases and those old villains and things like that into the strip, and so people can reference it now and look and where it originally came from, things like that." Yeah,
1: the newspaper syndicates all have archives and uh, online, and geez, Viz, uh, Viz, which I work for, has. Um, magazine shonen jump is online and Mm -hmm. it has a massive archive of shonen jump manga it's uh, you know subscription based but if you get the subscription it's like tons and tons of manga going (laughs) back for years it's very exciting especially since um in the past like manga went out of print pretty quickly and now there's that and comiXology has a lot of manga online Mm -hmm. and some that are some that are publishers are doing digital only because it's Cheaper, Uh, but that means that you get the chance to read a lot of manga that wouldn't have been available in English before. Right. Uh, Go ahead. So yeah, there's just a lot of flow between print and online now.
0: Hmm. Now, ever at any point, uh, probably not now, but you know, initially or even prior to when you started. uh, Narbonic, uh, I was wondering uh, did you ever consider just doing a standard syndicated newspaper strip oh yeah sure I submitted uh, strips to King Features Syndicate
1: when I was in college uh, my artwork was, was terrible but I actually got a, <laughs> I got a very nice um, rejection from Jay Kennedy who was the uh, head of comics at King Features at the time uh, was a really a really great guy Oh, unfortunately I passed away mm. in an accident fairly young uh, But I got, yes, I got a very nice rejection letter from Jay Kennedy But I was also sort of aware that uh, comic strips were getting Like syndicated comic surfs were getting to be a tougher and tougher market As newspapers mm. went by the wayside And it was getting harder to get in and harder to make a living there So the idea of just doing something online really mm. appealed to me I really just wanted to keep drawing
0: And when you uploaded it It was your choice or did somebody invite you Or how did that work No, man, who would invite me There was
1: nothing at the time
2: There there were like 12 (laughs) webcomics It was all people running It was all people running
1: sites Off of like their college Email accounts Um no, I just built a website and put comics on it, and <laughs> <laughs> at the time I had, um, I think I wrote the, I didn't have any kind of special software, so at the time I think I wrote the website on, like, the notebook feature on the oh, PC, and, and I was, like, scanning the artwork and f- fixing on, like, MS Paint,
2: um, wow. <laughs> Yeah, it was old. It was it was it was ancient times. It was very frightening. But no, I just put up a website and I
1: emailed a bunch of my friends <laughs> and the news group that I was on on Usenet, and
0: um, that was it. Usenet. <laughs> Yes. But my, I was, that's why I, I asked was, this. It's like you don't realize, you know, at the passage of time, you know, and somebody may be listening and say, "How do I do this?" And it's like the way you did it is totally different than how you would do it now. You know? Yeah.
1: Okay. Usenet was it was basically
0: Reddit, but it was 20 years ago. They've not right. advanced the technology at all. It's the same <laughs> damn thing,
1: except that they could they're better at moderating. <coughs> Excuse me. But, yeah, I was on the Mystery Science Theater Usenet news group, so I've still got people from the news group who read Skin Horse 20 years later, which wow. I, I am extremely flattered by. But, yeah, that was all I did. I put a website off, and I emailed people I knew, and kind of I was kind of curious to see how it would grow. Wow. It was kind of an experiment. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's just amazing how it's changed. Because, you know, I, I did a short-lived strip myself, but it was just to see if I could do it. Uh, it's up there somewhere. I don't even know where I put it. <laughs> it was so long ago, but uh, moved on to other things like podcasts. <laughs> it's called Protecto the Robot, if you want to find it somewhere. Yes. <laughs> yes, I do. But uh, I did it for about two years, I think, in the 90s. I don't even remember when I did it, but, you know. <laughs> wow,
1: that's very old. <laughs>
0: Sorry.
1: No, no, started in two. Yeah.
0: So, you know, I was still drawing it on paper, and then I'd scan it in, and then I'd letter it online. I remember that. So, you know, but I did not even well, thought of, thought about that till just now. <laughs> uh, but anyway. Wow, that's that's more high
1: tech than, than than me, because I still I draw everything on paper and I
0: letter it by hand too. Wow, wow. i yeah, I was I, I always was uh, you know I always thought I did good lettering, but for some reason. Uh, people always said, is that an M or an H? And I said, I'm not going to have anybody question it. I'm using the comic book lettering and not worry about it. It's also faster. (laughs) But anyway, (laughs) um, I I noticed you have, uh, or I wrote this down. See, how I know some of these things. I knew Narbonic anyway, but uh, some of these things... uh, I wrote down just the. Uh, it looks like you have other um, webcomics you've worked on over the years. So oh, I guess yeah, talk Betty. a little Talk about a little bit. Uh, little Mel, what was that one about? <laughs> oh, Little Mel was great
1: It's, I mean you can still read it I still have it online it was on uh, girl mm-hmm. which was one of the sites in the Modern Tales family for a long time Narbonic was on Modern Tales which mm-hmm. was a uh, subscription based web comic site uh, run by Joey Manley um, very dear man and um, Narbonic was one of the top comics on Modern Tales um, mainly because it updated every day that gave it a huge advantage in terms of like views mm-hmm. And so Modern Tales got successful enough at one point That um, they did Yeah Joey set up various spin off sites And uh, one of them was girl Which was initially run by Leah Hernandez mm. um, And it was sort of like a Female reader oriented site It had a lot of It had an interesting eclectic mix It was um, It was a really good site actually There were a lot of very good comics um, I th- I think Raina Telgemeier's comic Smile first ran on Girl Amatic. Oh wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. No, Smile
0: was initially a Girl Amatic uh
1: comic. American Born Chinese by Jean
0: Yang was on Modern Tales. Hmm. They had some
1: they they had some very good titles.
0: Yeah, I knew there were web comics but I didn't know where they ran. I I, they, I just they, saw them in the published book form, so Yep. <laughs> a lot of a lot of Greek comics started this
1: on the, online.
0: Mm-hmm. So Anyway, Little Mel was a spin off of Narbonic, sort of. It featured Mel who was a character in Narbonic as as a little kid and it was basically
1: me doing a kid comic. <laughs> and um, it had uh, it had a root I had rotating artists on it. I got various people to draw for me. Uh, Vera Broscell drew the first um, installments and she's an absolutely amazing uh, cartoonist uh, she's got a graphic novel out last year um, called Be Prepared which is fantastic <laughs> and she's an she's an animator primarily now and so I had a lot of really amazing artists working on it, sometimes I drew stories myself and I just kept that up for a while um, it's um, for about as long as yeah I kept it up for as long as girl matic was around and even after girl matic went under I kept it going for a while Um <laughs> And it's, uh, it's still online. I made a little
0: archive for it in case anybody wants to go read it. Okay. I'll have to seek yeah. some of these out. You know, it's like, like I said, I don't know what these are. Uh, here's one. <laughs> so I apologize. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah got, no, no, I've had tons of amazing, project, <laughs>
1: bizarre
0: But you projects. know, when I interview people, this is what is good about it. Then I learn about things, and then I investigate, and I go, oh, I kind of like this. You know, That's neat. You know, I didn't know you yeah. did this. Uh, another one I see is Perils of the Lady Garner.
1: Uh, no, apparel of the Lady Gamer
0: Gamer, oh See, I told you, that's why I use a uh, lettering program So <laughs> instead of my own writing <laughs> Yeah, that was Gamer. just a
1: um, That was just a little comic That I did, I think About, um,
2: jeez It was about what eventually <laughs> became Gamergate Believe it or not mm. um, Before it had that name, when it was just like Dudes harassing ladies in
1: gaming And it was just a Turn of the century Turn of the century Gaming culture Mm -hmm. Uh, It's all been Spaced around Um Analog games (laughs) Uh, You probably Just have to read it I did that And I did a little Sequel to it It's something That just went viral At one point Mm, A long time ago I think I initially Speaking of Old Online platforms. I think I initially <laughs> ran it on Live Journal.
0: Oh boy! <laughs> oh yeah. I used to have a Live Journal too. That was that went away somewhere. I don't know where that went.
1: Yeah, I, <laughs> I miss Live Journal. I really liked I really liked it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's yeah, that one too. You can still read that one online too. I think I made another site for it. It's still on Live Journal, and I think I made it its own little page for it at some point. I've got my website is shannon and you can go to pretty much anything.
0: From there. All right. Yeah, that's where I kind of looked at things. Um, Yeah, I know. That's why I have links to a lot of the stuff that I've done over the years. Another one's called Monster of the Week. Monster of the Week was it actually still kind of is. It's a (laughs) a project where I do
1: comic strip recaps of every episode of the X Files. I haven't done it for a while because I've kind of got it as a as a bonus thing on. my crowdfunding platform so um if i get to a certain point on my patreon i will do
2: another season of monster of the week Mm. i think i did i think season
1: five was the last one i did so Mm -hmm. i'm getting up there i'm actually getting pretty far up in the season in the series Mm -hmm. i did it as like a kickstarter stretch goal at one point on one of my kickstarters i was like if i get to this point i do another season of monster of the week and i (laughs) did so i had to do another season of monster of the Week. yeah, that's it. I also did a thing called um, Horror Every Day, which is not strictly a comic, but I made a calendar where I recommend the correct horror movie for each day of the year. Mm-hmm. And I did a little illustration for each one because I was obsessively watching horror movies. <laughs> so l- last year was horror, horror Every Day Year, and I was just obsessively watching horror movies and drawing
0: little... Calendar entries for for every day. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that was my next. Show I was going to ask about. So, yeah, are, are you a well, fan of all horror, or is it more current stuff, or the classic stuff, or a little of everything? I, I am just a big general horror fan. I have mm-hmm. I have my particular
2: likes. I'm a big fan of, of folk horror, mm-hmm. uh, which is Wicker
1: Man type stuff, oh, where yeah. um, there's there's secret cults out in the pastoral countryside. <laughs> um, so yeah, but I was sort of. I decided I wanted to be an expert in horror movies and watch all the horror movies. Wow. I still do. I still do it. I kind of have a little less time right now, but there was um, a period that I was doing. Watch a couple of horror movies a day and just wow <laughs> yeah drawing little drawing little pictures for them because like, I had noticed
0: because there are so many horror movies that are sort of holiday themed like like Halloween or Black Christmas right. <laughs> April Fool's Day so I thought like could I, do, could I actually fill every day of the year with a horror <laughs> movie and it turns out I can oh yeah well there's tons of horror movies I, I've I've said on other podcasts and to other people, it's like I believe the movie studios organize it so they put out at least one new horror movie a week. You know. uh, well, I mean, it's, horror is very big right now, and yeah. it's, gener- it's generally a profitable genre. Yeah, and it might be more nowadays, but back in the days where I was, I, I used to date somebody that loved horror movies, so we went to <laughs> every <laughs> one, and that's when I figured that out. I go, there's like one new movie each week, you know, and if you miss it, well, then you have two to go to, but it's like, uh, I, I think it, you're right. I think it is more now. It's like it's even more popular than ever, but. <laughs> well, you know, there's a whole sort of era of elevated horror going on right now. Now, it's like prestige horror movies. You know, horror goes through it goes through laws. Mm-hmm. The nineteen forties were a pretty bad decade for horror. Nobody was watching horror movies. Right. Everyone was watching film noir instead. Right. <laughs> and then what they consider horror is like the Val Luton things which I think are barely horror at best oh no they're great well they're great but I don't consider them horror movies in the traditional sense you know they're not really scary they're more atmospheric that's just my well he had had a very low budget yeah Um. He was basically allowed to, Luton was basically Allowed to make Anything he wanted As long as he kept it Under like $10,000
1: And under 90 minutes And he used the Like really pulpy titles They came up with, Which is why They're these sort of Austere Sinky um,
0: Artsy horror movies With yeah. titles yeah. Like Like the Leopard Man And I Walked
1: with a Zombie They've got these Really lurid titles And then the movies Are very
0: classy Yeah I've always said he- It's horror movies For people who don't Like horror movies <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, and that's not necessarily late. a dig It's just people that don't like uh, Excessive gore and violence in their films It's like, yeah <laughs> They can tolerate those So, you know <laughs> My friend Jason Shiga was talking
1: to me recently And he asked me, like, what was the first Horror movie? And I said, wow All well, they go really far back is like great silent horror movies And then he's like, yeah, but what was the first one That was actually scary, that actually scared people I'm oh, like, geez. no, people were scared by these movies
0: it Yes, so they weird. were <laughs>
1: <laughs> Nosferatu is scary, I swear. People
0: were scared at the train coming towards the station That's of right. 1903 or something like that. What? That's the
2: first horror movie the tra-
0: train coming at you. <laughs> I knew that. I took film school, so it's like... Um, let's shift gears a little bit. Uh, so you did become an editor for Viz. How did that come uh-huh. about? It, se- it seems like a natural progression, but not necessarily. How does one become an editor of a comics line? Well, I, <laughs> I was
1: hired to work as a front-desk receptionist for two weeks, oh, wow. and it's like 20 years later, and they haven't gotten rid of me yet entirely. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I was a receptionist secretary for a while. Then I did. I kind of got. I got laid
2: off as a secretary and hired as a freelance editor, and that was about fifteen years ago. Wow. And that's pretty much it. I, you know, I, I just started writing for their magazines.
1: This um, had a few different um, magazines at the time, in addition to the Vanga. And then I started try. I tried some editorial work when uh, Shonen Jump Magazine started, so uh-huh. I was editing One Piece. The first three titles I did were One Piece, Naruto, and Yu Yu Show, which were all very high-profile titles, and this, mm-hmm. a terrible place to start. I was kind of being thrown in the deep end. <laughs> but it was very cool, and i yeah, I'm just I'm just doing a couple titles for them right now. I am doing Hayate the Combat Butler, and I'm doing Case Closed. And yeah. Case
0: Closed is a Case Closed is about a hundred volumes long in Japan, so it's oh, kind geez. of job security. <laughs> I didn't know that, but I, I know oh, about it's it. Massive. You know? It's <laughs> been going on forever. <laughs> wow. Um, so, uh, what is your process for? Um, uh, Working on one of those titles—is it just uh, one at a time, or do you? Uh, well, how do you do it? Go ahead. <laughs> so, well, I mean, as an editor, I'm just uh, overseeing the translation work. So, I've,
1: you know, there's a translator and a letterer for each title, and I'm doing a lot of um, editing on the script, copy editing, but also sort of punching up the dialogue. Cause there's a lot; it takes a lot of work to um, translate from Japanese to English in mm-hmm. you know a way that sounds natural, but right. still keeps the original meaning, it's a very different language. And then I'm, we're doing like the um, the lettering and sound effects and then all the other stuff it takes to package it into a book. Yeah. And that's my job.
0: That's what I do. So you it's don't actually much. do the direct translation, it's already nope. kind of translated. Now is that's that right. is that person somebody that works at Viz or is that somebody in Japan or when does it um, translate? They're,
1: they're, they're freelancers. And I was a fr- they're done by fr- oh boy, this work is done by freelancers and okay. they're all over the place
0: okay yeah because the only uh i i know people that uh, have done translations for the donald duck comics and the uh-huh. Di- disney comics uh work for egmont and things like that and then i have That's other right, yeah. other friends like i'll name one Joe torcevia who has taken some of those scripts and he's like you has to punch it up make sure it reads well make sure it makes sense you know after because you could do a strict translation and it can still uh not make sense you know so because you have to tie it in i assume to the action on the on the in the in the box i guess or whatever the the frame <laughs> things like that right that's right and let's see what else have you done you've done a lot of stuff uh, <clears throat> <clears throat> excuse me um one of the things that you've done for quite a while uh is uh you've done um reviews for uh, a comics journal and it uh, looks like you've contributed a lot of stuff Uh yeah. like Ann America Nickelodeon Magazine Otaku you know, mentioned that uh, and Comixology so kind of briefly go over those type of uh, uh, sure. projects Sure well I've just, I've just done
1: a lot of writing yeah. on comics I'm supposed to have a web comics column for the comics journal I haven't written anything for it for a long time for mm-hmm. which I deeply apologize. <laughs> I just feel like I I just feel like I don't know enough about web comics right now cuz it's such a it's become such a huge field and I'm too busy drawing web comics to like read web comics. <laughs> but I have been writing right now I'm writing reviews for publishers weekly mm-hmm. and I am the editor for the review the manga review section of Otaku USA magazine and I write a lot of reviews for them too. And that means covering all the manga that's coming out right now so thanks to editing people's reviews and doing my own I kind of I'm kind of following I kind of know everything that's going on in manga right now without having read all that much actual manga
0: mm-hmm. is is manga about the same as it's been the last few years or is it increasing in the amount produced or what what's going on in it's, that field? Uh,
1: it kind of comes in waves uh, there was a you know there was a big Big manga boom of uh, maybe ten
0: years ago, yeah. and then it kind of um, the balloon
2: kind of popped, and now it's back up again. Okay, um, it's I think
1: I think it's back up to pretty strong, steady sales. Um, publishers are doing well. There's a couple of like there's a few major titles that people are super into, and um, some of the publishers are putting out a ton of stuff right now. So I assume huh. they're doing well.
0: So what are the more pop- yeah, what are the more popular ones, or what are the ones that uh, you recommend?
1: Oh, the manga I recommend are completely different from the
0: popular ones. That's fine, that's fine, talk about both. I mean, like, titles, I mean, uh, titles like, okay, okay, actually there's one popular one
1: that I also totally love, Jojo's Bizarre Adventure has become popular, which is like an amazing thing to me, because it's this utterly weird fighting manga that's been going on since the late 70s, and it's always been one that kind of has a cult following uh but i never thought that it would get to be like have mainstream popularity in the u.s but like a new an- like an anime came out and people got into it and now <laughs> this is publishing like all the old volumes going back decades mm. and um it's fantastic it's got this insane glam aesthetic to it <laughs> um, but it's one that i loved for a very long time and um it's it's super fun to see people into it and see casual mentions of it on Twitter and whatnot. So I, I that's that's one that's super fun. Other than that, I love lots of older manga and lots of weird artsy manga. Um, I just read this this great manga um, uh, called Little Miss P, which is all about this. Um, mascot looking character who is like um, the embodiment of menstrual periods and she just she shows up in every chapter she just like shows up at a woman's door and punches her in the gut and like wow. draws blood out of her with a syringe and beats her up but she's also a, she's also a force for women's empowerment
0: wow <laughs> But that's a very interesting concept it's wow. great not only that they're making like a live
1: action movie of
0: it oh, in boy. Japan and
1: like the stills look completely bizarre
0: (laughs) now uh, on the ones you're mentioning are these uh just typically ongoing ones or they uh a little mixture of uh like it has that the first one you said jojo has that been going Mm -hmm. on since the 70s straight through oh yes wow yes (laughs) uh yeah it you know um it's it's actually gone
1: through a lot of incarnations like it's had all these different storylines that are vaguely linked to each other with different sets of characters but yeah it's been going on for
2: a long time okay. it started this is sort of like Dark Shadows
1: inspired gothic horror series and then it became an action series and it's been about 300 different things over the years right. yeah I mean most longer ongoing series there's some very good standalone manga, too, and also ones that are short enough that they can go into a single volume.
0: Right. I mean, I shouldn't be too shocked, I mean, because, obviously, in American comics, Superman goes on forever, blah, 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 but, you know, it just, I, you know, I'm not as familiar with the manga world, so, you know, and they're always done in those big books, typically, and so, you know, it's like, do they run out of material after a while, but it seems like they have the ability to keep going decade after decade, so.
1: Yeah, the difference is that in Japan a manga will probably usually be drawn, but- the same artist
0: right and that's another forever. thing I mean so, it's like yeah it's like do they get burnt out after doing it for so long I've never interviewed somebody that does one but you
1: know
0: uh, yeah it's true like yeah, I said it, Superman many, there's been many artists many writers over the years it's not all Siegel and Schuster so it's like yeah, yeah you've never interviewed a manga artist because they're too busy drawing manga Some <laughs> what they do their whole life and then uh, kill sort over of, the drawing yeah. board wow you know it's not,
1: it's, it's not a healthy lifestyle doing
0: comics We will be back after this message. Hi, I'm George Takei. You know me as Helmsman Sulu on Star Trek. When I'm not busy going Warp Factor 8, I like to beam down to Lee's Comics in Mountain View and spend a lazy afternoon reading comics classics from Marvel to DC, from Dark Horse to Fantagraphics, and everything in between. So please, spend some time here at Lee's Comics and spend your hard-earned cash. (laughs) the fun ideas podcast is made possible by listeners like you and from lee's comics of california selling you what your mother threw out since 1982 online at leescomics.com and now back to the fun ideas podcast do you know how that industry works over there? I mean, uh, compared to our comic book industry, I mean, are they, do they hire writers no. or are they freelance the same way as here or how does it work? Wow. Okay. Usually manga run in magazines,
1: which can come out weekly or monthly. Mm-hmm. And each magazine will have a bunch of manga titles in it. The manga, the artists are basically freelancers and they f- usually, they frequently have a staff of assistants of their own. Mm-hmm. And usually we'll be working on one title at a time. That's not always the case, but frequently.
0: Okay. Yeah, because I'm not sure, because all I see is the results, you know, the yep. English translated books, so it's like, they just magically appear. I didn't know if it was, uh, you know, a little more complex situation where they, it's like a factory or something like that. Uh, you, know, <laughs> you, <know. laughs> you never know. So, it's, yeah. it's usually it's usually somebody in a, in an
1: apartment in Tokyo cranking out pages and... <laughs> With a bunch with a bunch of assistants drawing backgrounds, right? So not always. I mean, there's all sorts of different types of manga and different types of manga artists.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, let's see, what else do you have? Let's see, you have worked at actually Marvel Comics, and tell us a little bit about that. I know one thing you've done is some holiday special stuff because I've seen your name in there. But uh, have you done anything else for the Marvel Comics over the years?
1: I haven't done anything for Marvel in a long time? Oh, okay. um, I did. Yeah, I did three stories for like the holiday specials for mm-hmm. uh, for three years running. Yeah, and I haven't done anything in a while for them. I've oh. done some work for other publishers. I did an Adventure Time story pretty recently. that was mm-hmm. drawn by Roger Langridge, who was amazing. He did one of the he did the art of one of the Marvel holiday specials that I wrote too. Mm-hmm. Uh, But, yeah, no, nothing for Marvel recently.
0: Okay. And are you actively seeking other projects, or your plate is full with all the stuff you're doing nowadays?
1: (laughs) Right now, I'm kind of working on graphic novels. I have a graphic novel coming out next year. Mm -hmm. Um, I wrote it, and Chris Baldwin, who is another longtime web cartoonist, uh, is drawing it. Right at this exact moment,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, Chris Chris is one of the people who's been in web comics even longer than I have, which is, is saying a lot. And he's published other books before, so this is uh, but this is our this is this is my first graphic novel. It's called Willow Weep Manor. Mm-hmm. It is a um, YA graphic novel about a, a teenage girl who is really into um, old gothic novels like uh, Wuthering Heights and. Um, that sort of thing, and she is transported to a world that seems to be um, out of a gothic novel, but there are stranger things going on. Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, you're just doing the writing on this one, you said, so... Yes. Um, now, now we, when you do uh, something, a project like this, uh, do you do any artwork for it, or any design or anything, or do you just leave it completely up to the artist about it?
1: yeah i mean I did some doodles chris Chris actually had the initial concept and we kind of worked out what the story was and then I wrote the script and i did i did doodles and sent them over to him and but he had um, he had sketches too and uh, so I kind of worked with his ideas how the like the, for the visuals uh yeah but I did some sketches and I, and I have i sketch everything i thumbnail everything out when I'm writing okay. a comic yeah. um it really helps to think visually when you're writing comics, so I sketch everything out in
0: thumbnails. Okay, yeah, the reason I ask is, again, like, uh, I interviewed Joe Staten, and, and they interviewed Mike Curtis, and they both mm-hmm. said that uh, he's the writer, Mike is, but uh, he's still, from his Harvey Comics days, sto- <laughs> he storyboards everything, because that's the way he was trained, you know? Even oh, though, yeah, like,
1: well, you have to.
0: Yeah, so, um, I wasn't sure if that's the way you worked, or if you just say, uh, you know, <laughs> I'll let somebody else do the artwork here, so... <laughs> but, um... Uh, wh- when is that book expected to be out?
1: It'll be out uh, next fall. It's from McIntyre Books.
0: Okay. And uh, let's say, um, is there any sort of... Uh, promotional uh, tour or anything uh, that you have uh, scheduled right is it too early to say on stuff oh I wish I'm sure (laughs) I'll do a I'm
1: sure I'll do a book release party I'll probably do a book release party at the Cartoon Art Museum in San Francisco
0: hmm how would you get into there
1: (laughs) Uh, I'm like the last person who can get a show I'm the second last person who can get a show at the Cartoon Art Museum (laughs) because I'm married to the curator he's the last person who can get a show at the Cartoon Art Museum (laughs) yeah my husband Andrew is a curator at the Cartoon Art Museum, a wonderful institution that everyone should support. If you haven't been there, you need to go right now.
0: <laughs> now, since you mentioned him, you did work with them on something recently, and uh... um, I, yeah, I work with Andrew on a bunch of stuff. We wrote
1: a uh, we wrote a book called The Zombie Gnome Defense
0: yeah, that's Guide what last year. Ask about that, no, it, it's, it, yes, that it's, <laughs> it's a book about like fighting zombie gnomes. we
1: have basically done like a little mini sort of gift book thing about. Zombie gnomes for this publisher, and they liked it enough that they wanted to expand it into a full-sized book. And so that's what it is. It's like World War Z, but with zombie gnomes.
0: <laughs> and gnomes. you know, I, it, obviously the inspiration is zombie films. But uh, uh, was there any other inspiration that you had that uh, was uh, that you decided to do this type of book? Or was it was just all those <laughs> other books by Max Brooks and things like that. That type Initially, of thing. Initially, it was just that the publisher want, had these like these little zombie
1: gnome characters that they wanted to do like the mini book on and then when we expanded into like the full size book we had to come up with a whole story and characters and um, yeah we did do it for different different character different points of view and have journals of different characters in the in the zombie gnome mm. war and uh, we had to come up with all sorts of ideas for fighting these these tiny little garden gnomes that eat people and bite your ankles off <laughs>
0: And you mentioned you did other projects with Andrew. Um, not saying your son Robin, but uh, uh, I mean, but kid, other projects. Yeah. What other things have you worked with Andrew on? I don't think he's uh, done anything else. So when I talked uh, to him, we, <laughs> we
1: worked well, we worked together on some of the, in the Marvel holiday specials. Oh. Uh, he is definitely your Marvel continuity guy. Right. Um, <laughs> yes. He, again, he's the curator of the Cartoon Art Museum, and he's the most qualified possible person for that job. He is extremely knowledgeable about comics to a kind of psychotic degree uh so he's a good person to work on with uh, the classic Marvel characters our first uh, the first Marvel holiday special I did was on uh, was a Fantastic Four story and we went back to the the oldest Fantastic Four comics
2: mm-hmm. so you know it's
1: good to work with a guy who knows his stuff
0: <laughs> Just for and continuity. Periodi- yeah, yeah, I mean, we periodically work together On mini
1: comics. He does guest weeks for my web comics sometimes. He's a he's a very good artist and writer. Um, I'm sorry he is so busy with his curatorial work. He doesn't get to do more comics.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But he's yeah he he's doing okay. He's got a big
0: book on Batman. Well, yeah, he has other books that he's doing. You know, oh it's like- yeah. <laughs> he's, got, he's written a book on Batman. It's it's
1: enormous. It's it will break your foot. Um, it should be very cool.
0: Is that one out yet? The, it will be out next month. Oh, okay, because I know he's been promoting it, and it's like, but I never know when these things come out, and then I, suddenly I see it, so it's like, you know. Um, yeah, it's,
1: it's got an October release date.
0: Hmm, very good. Um, uh, just very curious, and you know, I'll ask you, because if I ask him, he'd probably say something. B- How do you two meet? <laughs> <laughs>
1: How do we meet? Well, no, you should ask him. Uh, of maybe, course maybe we met at the... <laughs> Of course we met at the Cartoon Art Museum Um, I was actually uh, One of the reasons I came out To the Bay Area right after college Was that I got an uh, internship At the Cartoon Art Museum So I was a summer intern there
2: And uh, near the end of my internship Andrew started
0: volunteering there That was how he got involved with the museum Mm. And that was how we met.
1: And I started kept coming up with excuses to keep volunteering at the museum so I could hang out with them.
0: Now, were you doing any of these, uh, you weren't doing your webcomics at the time. That was before that, wasn't it? I was doing Arbonic at the time. Oh, you were. Okay. okay. Yeah, I, I I picked up Andrew by giving him a link to my website. <laughs> that, was, that was my smooth move. <laughs> And uh, have you had any shows over there? I know you said you're the second no, to last. Absolutely. Uh, oh, okay. not no, oh. I can't. <laughs> oh, come on! I'll let Andrew know. So you got to give her a chance. Come on. No,
1: no, there's no way. Andrew and I cannot be in the cartoon art Museum.
0: Uh, <laughs> I've had three shows. I can break. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I mean we can
1: we can loan art for. A, of, Art that's not—we have loaned art that's not
0: by us from our personal collection, but not our own art. No. Yeah, <laughs> that's okay. It's just kind of amusing that you know, we can't do a little side uh, Narbonic. No, uh, we can't do a Narbonic. There's <laughs> the twentieth anniversary coming up. Come on. <laughs> no, there's too
1: much conflict of interest, but there is a twentieth anniversary coming up. That's a good point. <laughs>
0: I'll get you in there yet. I'll, I'll yeah. be an anonymous person saying, "Hey, I noticed it was the twentieth anniversary in Urbanica Are you planning a show? Uh, I wasn't thinking of one." But
1: <laughs> no, I've only been able to. No, I only participated at the museum as a volunteer.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Have you given any talks there or anything? On any oh t- yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah,
1: we've done lots of events there. I mean, um, I can't remember the last time I've given any kind of talk mm-hmm. there. Though I've done talks at other places. I've been doing talks on. Uh, History of Manga recently, because um, that's something that interests me, and I've got a, a pretty good PowerPoint worked up for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I get to talks at events at the museum from time to time, and like I said, I'll probably do a book release party for Willow Wheat Manor there. That would be fun. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. And and see if
1: maybe, yeah, maybe I, maybe do a party at, maybe do a release party at Borderlands Bookstore, too. We'll see.
0: Mm-hmm. And uh, here's here's a loaded question. What are your unfulfilled ambitions? <laughs> well, I'm, I have finally have a graphic novel coming out, which has been a big ambition of mine. So that's exciting. <laughs> um, so after that, my ambitions are just more graphic novels. Okay. Yeah. Only awards. I was just wondering where this is all leading. If you're going to do more web <laughs> comics or do more editing or a little of both or keep it all going, you know, like we all try to do. <laughs> I just love making comics, and uh, I mean, I do, I've been doing more
1: prose writing, too, recently. I've been selling uh, science fiction stories, so I've been, I've been doing more, like, just science fiction writings, oh. and fantasy and horror writing. Uh, and, so I've, yeah.
0: And where do those appear? Where are those typically?
1: All over the place. I've sold about 20 different stories to various magazines and Sites over the the last several years so um, that's all on shannon.com too oh that's very my most, cool Hang yes my most, my most recent story is on the Drabble cast it is called the best scarlet ceremony ever and it's a, um, it's a cross between the wicker man and the best Christmas pageant ever
0: <laughs> and are you assigned any of these or are you just have free reign to write about anything you want
1: uh... yeah it's just regular writing I just write stories and send them out until somebody buys them
0: <laughs> typical <laughs> yeah <laughs> And uh, what inspires you to write? I mean, uh, do you get the, the proverbial writer's block, or you, do ideas easily come to you? Or
1: um, I have enough going on that I can pretty much always be busy. Um, <laughs> the best way to deal with writer's block is just sit and write. Yeah,
0: well, that's what uh, I've, I've done. Like, but uh, I just always yeah. ask people, because as a writer, if I, if I have writer's block, I usually just kind of step away, uh, do something else, and then suddenly the ideas come back and they go oh crap i have to get back to the computer
1: <laughs> well my like my, my my mentor is um daniel pinkwater a great children's book writer mm-hmm. and um i used to correspond with him in caught co- when i was in college he's one of my all-time favorite writers and uh he said that the best way to deal with uh, the, if you if you're going to be a professional writer you should Treat it as a professional job, which means that you sit at a desk and you you basically stare at the screen and do not do anything else until you write. And that's (laughs) actually worked fine for me.
0: Yeah. Um, I find I don't
1: think I've ever had a time that I sat in front of a screen for like an entire hour without writing something.
0: Yeah. Because it seems to me, yeah. I always say just write anything, and if even if it doesn't make sense, because it may evolve into something that does make sense. So.
1: That's right. So, I mean, some people set a goal they'll write a certain number of words a day, and that's the goal. Some people, for me, it's to sit in front of a screen for a certain amount of time a day and write or not write, but the important thing is to not do anything else.
0: Right. And with your busy schedule, uh, is there a particular time of day you like to write, or is it any time you find to a- a convenient spot. Well, I've got a,
1: I've got a five-year-old right now, so right. I basically have to do everything while he's at school.
0: Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so it's like a almost a nine to three type job, I guess. Is the best way to Yes, decision. it is. <laughs> it kind
1: of is. I can I can do other things. I can draw when he's around sometimes, but writing I need some quiet, so that's got to be
0: when
1: he's not here. <laughs>
0: And uh, he's coming up. I'll talk about him a little bit. He's coming up to be like a pretty good artist himself. Uh, does He He
1: likes to draw, yeah.
0: Okay, so as at his young age, has he ever made any aspirations that I want to be an artist or a writer, or does he just do it? I know um, he's pretty young, he... but... Yeah. <laughs> okay, uh,
1: his name is Robin. He's five. He just started kindergarten. He, uh, we actually... The last time we asked him he said he wanted to be a veterinarian So um, <laughs> I don't know about that He likes a lot of things He likes writing and he likes building And he likes making things um, I'm looking around the the room right now And there's like this cardboard house that he made for the cat he made me cut like, <laughs> doors in it and he made me cut doors in a series of cardboard boxes and then he put like cat toys and cat food inside for the cat to go in so the cat would go in <laughs> which the cat is not done these are the only boxes the cat doesn't like
2: mm.
1: <laughs> yesterday we made crayons that was his idea
0: wow. he got the idea of chopping
1: up crayons and melting them into molds to make other crayons <laughs>
0: How does that work out? Does it come in? Is it like brown, one color? Or no, something? it's
1: looking great. They all swirl together. What happened was that he got. Some oh, party.
0: okay. It's a little pieces glue kind of stick together. Yeah, I get, it looks I get great. It. Okay, Yeah. But what <laughs> happened
1: was that we went to a we went to a kid's birthday party where they they gave out homemade crayons like that and he looked at and figured out how it was made and then wanted to go make them at home so uh, that's what we did yesterday making crayons really we made a cool. bunch of heart shaped crayons
0: he'll be the scientist you never were That's what. <laughs>
1: he, has a lot of it, he has a lot of interest in science and in engineering he likes building things and he loves mechanisms mm-hmm. but he also, he also loves art
0: mm-hmm. and
1: draws like Huge, elaborate drawings. He's kind of, you know, he's five. He's into everything right now.
0: <laughs> Does he uh, enjoy or watch any horror movies with you? Is he a little young? <laughs> no, he's
1: and he's he's pretty easily scared. Oh, okay. <laughs> he doesn't like. He's very. He's very easily. Um, swayed by like the emotional intensity in music right. and like movies and, and atmosphere so like if if there's any indicate if like Sinister Music starts playing a cartoon he gets very <laughs> nervous and runs for it oh, okay. he was into um, yes for a while, he was in a new
0: cartoon uh, called Puffin Rock, which is awesome. I've seen and, it. Um, and I, yeah, I saw the, it uh, thanks to you guys. You know, I said I got to check this thing out. Yeah, it's by the Irish <laughs> studio that made um, Secret of Kells and Song of the Sea, and it's mm-hmm.
1: um, a children's cartoon mm-hmm. set on a little island with puffins and other animals, and it's the most gentle cartoon in the entire world. Like the most <laughs> serious, the most serious thing that happens is that like a seagull swoops at someone, and but whether well, If Puff and Rock Danger music played He would like Get completely freaked out And run and hide (laughs) Like the music In a minor key Would start to indicate That like um, A seagull Was gonna squawk At somebody And he'd keep was not into that.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, he's gotten a little tougher. We showed him
1: Who Framed Roger Rabbit, um, which was probably a little too extreme, because mm. uh, like the Judge Doom reveal is one of the scariest things in film oh, his yeah. history. <laughs> and that, when that happened, he just he literally just screamed and screamed. He just oh, wow. there screaming. <laughs> I know I laugh about it, but it's like probably traumatized him yeah, because that's a very frightening scene. <laughs>
0: Um how about you when you were a kid uh, since you like horror movies how did you get into them and did you used to scream or <laughs> not like them when you were young
1: No I don't I wasn't super into horror movies at all also um I did like Poltergeist, which was running constantly on cable at some point, and I thought it was funny. (laughs) I I don't think I I fully understood it was supposed to be a horror movie.
0: (laughs) It's like a girl that goes in a TV set. What's wrong with that?
1: Yeah, it's just things floating around.
0: That's that's funny. Except
1: for the part where this guy, like, peels his face off for no reason. That was the only part that was scary. (laughs)
0: But um, I remember things not being too scary. You know, if I put myself in the shoes of Robin, you know, I saw the love bug, which I'm sure you've seen at some point, you know, and Mm -hmm. there's a car with the car splits in two. And I remember I saw it in the theater. I asked my mom, can that really happen? And, and my mom said not usually <laughs> she didn't that's say good. no but she said not usually but I kind of took it and go okay
1: <laughs> that's what I usually that's what I usually tell Robin when he asks me about the reality of various things so probably not <laughs>
0: but uh, I was kind of a chicken when it came to things for the longest time like even when you know I'm, I'm a few years older than you guys uh, but uh, uh, when Jaws came out I didn't want to see it at all now I ended up seeing it about four years later on a reissue of Jaws 2 but I just said I don't want to see a shark chewing up people ah. <laughs> yeah I didn't get into horror movies
1: until I was pregnant and then I suddenly just got really
0: into it and, were like and then you saw Rosemary's Baby right <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it, pregnancy is her horrific i think i was i was sort of processing uh the horrors (laughs) then you saw alien (laughs) Yes. (laughs) so what is the first horror movie you saw do you remember like
1: the first it might have been poltergeist because that was running pretty early on um i was obsessed with the dark crystal as a kid and that one is, is spooky as heck yeah I got one. Of my, I had one of my first nightmares from watching The Dark Crystal.
0: <laughs> hmm. <laughs> I mean, I I think it's atmospheric, but then I'm older, so it's like a, you know, there's so
1: much <laughs> scary stuff. There's like little Muppets getting their souls sucked out. Okay. <laughs> the, the part that scared me was a lot more existential. It's a scene where like one of the the skeksis, the, the evil Muppets, dies, and mm-hmm. like at the same time, one of the mystics, which are the good Muppets, like vanishes because they're like. Linked on some um, spiritual level, and like the, the the concept of that somehow just horrified me. <laughs> I was very bothered by the idea of like somebody dying somewhere, and this would cause me to also die. <laughs> uh, I
0: I I wouldn't be able to identify because yeah, I was too old. You know, I was watching it. You know, I was actually more upset. I was like, I know he wants to branch out, but where's Miss Piggy? Where's Fuzzy Bear? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I was not impressed at the time, but then, you know, I like it now more than, you know. I love
1: love all things Muppet and always have. Yeah.
0: I have a vast collection of Muppet books. Yeah, I, I had a little falling out in that period of time. But, it, you know, I was I was getting to be a teenager, and so it was rebelliousness. And it's like, eh, Muppets, blah. You know, and now I love them again. Just, but there was a time, I think it had to do, that I had an eighth grade teacher who he absolutely loved the Muppets. And he'd somehow figure out how to get kermit or Fozzie or somebody into the conversation every single day in his history class and it's like really dude i hate the muppets you know it's like and it was just the teenage rebellion because i go what was i thinking i love the muppets and i have the movies and sesame street and blah blah blah, you know whatever yeah
1: we're always try- that's one of the things we're always trying to force on robin
0: what sesame street all, all Muppet things. Oh, all Muppet things. Okay. We, yes, and we already had all the. We already had a bunch of Sesame Street DVDs before we had a kid, and uh-huh. uh, we were,
1: were we're both kind of into Muppets,
0: like, Right a lot. Yep. But I love them now. So and and the things that I supposedly hated at that time, I've had revisionist thinking, and I go, this wasn't too bad. I like what uh, Henson was trying here, and I even like the pose. The only thing I actually didn't like—I'll I'll ask your opinion on this—is the recent Muppet show. I get what they're trying to do, but it didn't quite come off for me. Is where they're doing the reality show, kind of yeah, like behind the- a lot of problems. Yeah, yeah. And I go, I, I respect what they're trying do, to do, but eh, you, you can't do you can't do cynical Muppets.
1: That's just like a fundamentally non
0: Muppet thing. Right, right. Yeah. But I am enjoying I am enjoying the Dark Crystal prequel that's on Netflix right now. I'll have to check and that I'm, one out. I'm yeah. desperately hoping becomes popular enough that they've like revived the storyteller, my all time favorite Muppet thing. And I'll have to watch that again too, because at the time I was a little bit like uh about that. But <sighs> <yeah. laughs> But, but see so you're the right age for it, you know. I was like, Yeah, 16, I was Ed I was like, really <laughs> and I was really
1: into folklore and like weird obscure yeah. fairy tales and stuff. Which I still am.
0: Yeah. And I always liked the funny at the time, so it's like, why is he getting all serious and you know dramatic on us? You know, it's like, come on, you know, <laughs> Muppets are just supposed to eat each other. That's what they, they're <laughs> you know, like on Ed yes. Sullivan show. <laughs> they're just supposed to have one Muppet eating another. That's all they're supposed to do. <laughs> anyway, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I've always enjoyed Muppets and. Uh, I, uh, supposedly, but I do remember this somehow, is my parents sat me down in front of Sesame Street on day one, which was 50 <laughs> years ago in this November, so... Aww. so, Aww. And then I saw it yeah. on DVD a few years ago, and I go, yeah, I remember this, so it's like, yeah, I was two. <laughs> yeah, we've got the DVDs they did of the vintage Sesame Street episodes, oh, and they're great. Those are cool. I wish they put out some more, but hey. And yeah, then, they only did a couple so, of them, and so, they never put out the last... They never put out DVDs of
1: the last two seasons of Muppet
0: show which drives me nuts right. um, there is a chance on those they have reissued the first three seasons in the slimmer plastic cases so I'm thinking maybe they're getting ready to do it and they just won't do it in the big you know paper box uh-huh. uh, sleeves like they originally had but you know crossing fingers <laughs> Uh, I think the hang-up used to be on the Muppet Show's uh, the Star Wars episode, ironically. <laughs> but now Disney owns it, so... and Yeah,
1: as far as I know, that's not actually the case. Believe it or not, they, um, Luke, George Lucas was good friends with Jim Henson, and they did not actually have problems with getting... Uh, they did not have problems with getting Lucas
0: stuff. Okay. Um, but the same issue came up because uh, they used footage from... Star Wars and other Lucas movies and Muppet, the Muppet Babies cartoon. Right. And that's actually strangely enough, a lot
1: of people speculate that was the reason that Muppet Babies didn't get on DVD, but it's not. I'm actually not sure why Muppet Babies didn't make it on DVD.
0: Well, I, th- I thought they had a lot of clips from a lot of movies, and that was the yeah, strange, they you know?
1: did, and that is that is an issue. But it was actually almost all stuff that George
0: Lucas or Steven Spielberg owned because um, they yeah. were both very close with uh, Jim Henson. Yeah, but I I think they'll someday come out, but I think they're probably figuring out a way to revive the characters before they just put it out.
1: Yeah, Yeah, well, they try every few years.
0: (laughs) But, uh, yeah, I'm hoping for Muppet Show season four and five, and also even the Jim Henson hour and some of those really obscure things that just kind of got lost in the ether. But uh, so um I assume you make personal appearances in different spots and things like that. Uh, so.
1: If anybody, if they'll fly me out, yes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so uh can you think of a few coming up in the next few months that you'd like to promote? Actually
1: no, because I, I have actually been not been traveling a whole lot. Partly because
0: we have a kid. Oh, okay. um, we Andrew and I are going to Portugal in uh, oh. next month. If you're, anybody's going to be in Lisbon, they're um, going to the uh, the Amadoro Amadoro Comics Festival there. Okay. And um, um, but what... yeah,
1: in the U.S., we actually haven't been doing a lot of conventions recently. Oh,
0: okay all right do you go to san diego every year i know he does but i
1: do not go every year but i went this year for the oh. first time in a long time
0: oh okay and do you think that might be a, a future plan for 2020 or don't know it yet
1: might, it might be actually because robin really liked it we had a good time um we went to the san diego zoo we went around the city convention i diego because it's gotten like just way too expensive, for like a independent publisher. Right.
2: right. Uh,
1: but I can do appearances at the Cartoon Art Museum table, which everyone needs to visit. Yes. <laughs> uh, the cartoon, the Cartoon Art Museum has it has a really nice. Um, it does really nice stuff at the at Comic Con. They usually try to get a lot of artists to come and a lot of different cartoonists to come and do sketches um, just for fundraising. And they get some really cool artists in, and they'll do commissions. I, I usually sit in and do some do some sketches. All right for people and it's it's a lot of fun
0: and if somebody wanted to get a hold of you or get a hold of any of your publications or books or anything else uh, how would uh, how would they do that
1: yeah fortunately um I have an insane name that my parents probably came up with when they were drunk, so nobody else owns it and I have shannon dot com um, <laughs> that's just s h a e n o n dot com and there's links to virtually everything I've done
0: over there mm Definitely everything that's available online. All right. Very good. And uh, I guess you have a Facebook presence as well. Is that correct, too? Or yeah. No? I'm Shannon on Facebook, and I am Shannon Garrity
1: on Twitter. I, this is the, the Twitter is the first website I've ever been on that I couldn't be just Shannon. Some other
0: Shannon got in ahead of me. Uh-huh. I know. I can't even believe it. <laughs> Have you met the other Shane? No. No, I've never met another Shane. Oh my gosh, what would I do if I met another Shane? I mean, we would just explode. Collaborate? No. No, no. she's a writer. No, I would not like another Shane. be like the I'm two Ro- two Ronnies, uh, two Shanes. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Shannon McGuire, uh, science fiction writer, has said sometimes that we should do a panel that's just all the writers <laughs> whose names are like Shannon misspelled because there's just so many of us. <laughs> <laughs> and it would just I think the panel would just be called It's Pronounced <laughs> Alright, very good Well, I thank you very much for being on the show and uh, we'll look for, for all your future upcoming projects and if you're in San Diego and uh, any other conventions or any other appearance or of course the Cartoon Art Museum and uh, thank you again
2: Oh, Thank you,
0: so long Thank you for listening, and thank you again, Shane and Garrity, for being my special guest. Episode 49 will be coming soon. If you would like to comment and or be a guest on this podcast, please drop me a line at funideas.mark at gmail.com. Become a patron of Mark Arnold and Fun Ideas Productions. If everyone listening just contributed a dollar a month, that would be a tremendous help in continuing the production of my books and this podcast. Also, subscribe to my YouTube channel. The opening and closing music for the Fun Ideas Podcast is provided courtesy of Andrew the Slow Poisoner, Goldfarb, and is used with permission. This has been the Fun Ideas Podcast. This is Mark Arnold speaking. This episode is copyright 2019 Fun Ideas Productions. Thank you very much and have a good night.
1: pills in the
2: pink electric church, the final flicker of your loose jeweled boob tube.